And welcome back to the Leadership Fan Podcast, where we explore the leadership journey and seek to influence and encourage aspiring leaders making the climb out there. And for those of you who have been in leadership a long time, it's not too late to continue to sharpen your axe and continue to get better at your leadership game. I'm Joe Lenhart, and I'll be your host today. And just thanks for joining us and for supporting this podcast wherever you may be listening. You may be in a coffee shop or in a car or at an office, wherever it is, I'm thankful. I know I've been getting all kinds of emails and text messages of folks that have been listening uh, to these podcasts and many of our videos that can be found on LinkedIn and YouTube as well. And I'm just grateful. I'm thankful for the support. And before we get to our guest today, who I'm really excited to talk to uh, and to share with you, really, um, I just want to riff a little bit on what's on my heart and what's on my mind today that will segue nicely into our conversation um, with our guest today. You know, we talk all the time at the Leadership Fan Podcast about the fact that we believe in a people first philosophy or servant leadership. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today, but I want to talk also about the fact that, you know, John Maxwell always says that leadership is influence. And in John's voice, nothing less, nothing more, right? And you're going to hear a gentleman in a moment that sounds a little like John Maxwell, by the way. Um, and, and, and so it's important to remember, I think, in leadership that we can make a difference in people's lives by influencing them, by encouraging them, um, by mentoring them. And so I want to encourage you leaders out there, if you're not being mentored by someone, get a mentor. And if you're not mentoring somebody, go mentor a young leader that's making the climb out there. It matters, and it doesn't matter if you're 12 or if you're 52. Uh, you can make a difference in people's lives just by being focused on people. And the gentleman that I'm going to invite now into the podcast certainly um, has shown in my life, and I know many others, that he is a people-focused individual who naturally has leadership abilities and great influential skills. And so I want to. I want to welcome in Mr. Jack Fox. Hi, Jack. Hey, Joe. How are you? I am doing well, my friend. And I want to share quickly a little bit about you and then I'll turn it over to you. But uh, you have meant a lot to me over the years, although we don't do life together. Uh, you have uh, had a big spot in my life. And sometimes people come along in your life and and they just make a difference. And I want to share our story really fast with the audience because I think it's powerful and really fast. I, I, I was a radio junkie since I was probably about, I don't know, nine or 10 years old. And I just loved it and uh, listened to AM radio, talk radio, games across the country, um, you know, where a lot of people my age didn't do those kinds of things. I would listen to radio in the middle of the night on a transistor radio, yes. I'm old enough to have had a transistor radio. <laughs> well, I just happened to listen to this guy that's on with us today, Mr. Jack Fox, and he was on the radio with WHAS uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he, uh, I know, comes from Illinois. He uh, was on radio, you know, I believe, Kansas City, Denver, KOA Radio. Uh, I know WHAS in Louisville and has been certainly uh, big into voiceover work that he can talk to us about. You may know his voice when you hear it here in a moment because he's uh, been in hundreds of airports for many years across our country. I was in uh, Hawaii a couple of years ago, and there's Jack, and it just warmed my heart. But the, the long and the short of it is this. I used to listen to Jack on Saturday mornings, 
and I couldn't wait to hear the high school football scores. Jack, you may not remember this, but I was a huge Trinity High School football fan, and and I'd call, and I ended up going to school there and anyway I so I called Jack every morning to say hey did Trinity win because there was no way to get the scores you didn't have email or internet or anything else and uh and so I would call and say hey Jack do you have the football scores and he'd say hey yeah Trinity won I said well did St. X lose <laughs> you know that was important <laughs> you know and then I might ask him well did Fern Creek win so these are all towns where we're from in the Louisville Kentucky area and and uh, we struck up a friendship, and I'm a 12-year-old kid, you know, and Jack knew I loved radio, and every Saturday morning for, a, I don't know, a couple of years, Jack, I would call Jack, and I would just talk to him. And I was a kid that had come out of a sort of a broken home situation where divorce and remarriage and all this kind of going on, and, and uh, I found a friend on the radio, and Jack... Um, you know, encouraged me along the way, and I want to share some of those stories. But before I do that, I want to turn it over to Jack because, you know, Jack, I just really have never forgotten what you did for me, and uh, it ended up I ended up working in radio largely because of you. So, well, what do you think about that? That's great. Good to connect with you again. We've connected several times, and I apologize for the camera, but somebody told me a long time ago I have the perfect face for radio. So you know, this, this <laughs> worked out well here, and and also. A Trinity connection you didn't know about. This last year, Trinity High School has this humongous scoreboard that's uh, it's, it's NFL quality. And I recorded a bunch of videos that they played at halftime, uh-huh. uh, Trinity Forever. And uh, they've played those, and I'll, I'll send you some links to those, though you'll oh, enjoy I love it. You know, my son ended up going to school there as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And you, did St. X lose? That was the next question. You were right. <laughs> they were big rivals, big rivals. <laughs> Yeah. But Jack, we connected about 20 some years ago. We had a conversation. I don't know if you would even remember that conversation. Again, it was on a Saturday morning, just happened to be. Um, I was working uh, in radio still, um, again, largely inspired by you and a lot of your colleagues at WHAS uh, Radio. And uh, you gave me some advice at that time. First of all, I said, Jack, why did you take the time with a kid? you know, that was calling your station when you're busy, running the board and doing all the things you're doing. And you said something to the effect of, because it was the right thing to do. Can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, Let me think about that. I, uh, a a phrase comes to my mind that has kind of guided me, listen to others as you would have them listen to you. And uh, I I learned a long time ago just to listen to people. And uh, you picked up something in your voice and you were persistent you would call back and uh you're obviously serious about things so i learned to pay attention to that kind of thing uh and i I think that is important in fact has that was our link to the world we had a hotline that you called all the time and our link was listening to people we got our best material from there we got a lot of leads from there and made a lot of friends from there quite honestly i have people like you i still have conversations with today that we'll check in on facebook or if they live locally we'll have coffee together and I've always enjoyed that I've been interested in people uh, my father was a minister and he was very uh, a good pastor also he was a good preacher but he was also a very good pastor and uh, when he would go into a town he had these little churches and little towns and all those little churches always had some kind of problem when he'd get there you know but he would take the next six months or a year just listening to people he'd go help them in their garden or take them to the hospital and listening and in a very short time, he had them 
focused on a goal together, something they could accomplish. And uh, they found that if they had a goal in working towards something, those problems seemed to fade away. But it came from listening to what, uh, what people were looking for. And that's mm. been a good guide for me, I think. I'm so glad you bring that up because it's one of those principles I've talked about in some of our videos in the past is that, is that active listening, you know, and so many leaders, they want to talk more than they listen. And I don't know how you learn that way. Do you? Uh, well, <laughs> Will Rogers was a philosopher and a comedian and, and uh, columnist and television and radio and movie personality years ago. And he had a lot of famous things, never met a man I didn't like. But one of his things was never miss a good chance to shut up. <laughs> that, that's important I learned even as a leader it's important to shut up and listen sometimes and find out you find out more about what the real problem is by listening to people wow so true and um, you know I could think of a couple of stories where you're involved that I'm going to remind you of and I think you'll remember them both um, but there's a reason I ask you um, first of all I, my dad is probably about your age now and um he still talks about, to this day, the fact that you took the time to have us out to the station. You showed me around. You took me into the TV station. You, do you remember this? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And my dad still talks about it 40 years later, Jack. You know, so that is not just, you know, that's just the doing part of service, well, right? Listen and do. You have, to, you have to follow up with action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and. And so, you know, when you when you had people in your life in radio or in broadcasting that required that kind of time, I mean, you just made the time. That's just who you are inherently or I learned that from my parents, my dad and my mom. Uh, they were both uh, good people, people, yeah. person, I guess, and uh, followed their example. I yeah. uh, I was fortunate there. As I mentioned my dad was a Baptist minister and I I know some ministers, children have had some rough journeys from time to time, but uh, my parents were very special. I had to do right, not because I was the preacher's kid, because I was Claude and Gladys's kid, you know? <laughs> what was mm. right and what was wrong was wrong, and that's why you did it, you know? And so it was, uh, it was a good lesson to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I come from sort of a, a broken up situation, but I have to say, they, they put it back together, and my parents, too, were a great influence on me and were very supportive. But moreover, what I think that they exemplified the most was hard work, you know, and, and my dad especially taught me that hard work ethic. And I know that no matter what, I, I know you were on HAS for about 20 years, I could always depend on you being on the air, you know, and I... You don't know this about me, but, I, you know, I've worked in higher education for all my adult life. And I was, um, you know, the president of a, of a media school, a broadcasting school um, at my last stop. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, we used to talk about the fact, well, when it snows, you know, two feet of snow, how am I supposed to get to the studio? Well, you just do because right. the show goes on. Right, Jack? Part of the job of success is just showing up a part of it you know if you show up at least you've got a starting point <laughs> you know well i bring up snow for a reason um uh, oh, you and your love for rain and snow yeah <laughs> I, I can't stand it jack um <laughs> but there's a story regarding you with snow that you may not remember um, okay so i had an opportunity folks that i i was going to be able to meet jack 
and his wife uh, face to face. And I'm the kind of I was the kind of kid and I'm the kind of adult that when I get my mind on something or set on it, I'm going to do it. And uh, Jack had moved into a house not too far from my parents house. And I was going to come meet him on the day that he moved. I don't know if you remember this. And it snowed the day he was moving, like six or seven inches of snow. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I was right. I rode my bike through seven inches of snow to Jack Fox's house to meet him and his wife. And (laughs) I don't know what you all thought about this kid that shows up at your front door, but I did. I don't know if you remember that story. I don't remember that specifically, but I'm not surprised that you would do something like that. That's good. (laughs) So what's the message? The message is people have a power impact, a powerful impact on all of us. And if you take the time with people and you influence them, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to be Jack Fox or Milton Metz or Van Vance or who it was, Jack, but I I wanted to be one of you guys. Right, yeah. And you took the time more than any of them for me. Before we began the podcast, I told you a story about a young man named Steve Kirkland, who I met Steve at my church when he was in the fifth grade. Steve was a radio junkie like you had a had a studio in his basement that he'd put together, even got raided by the FCC because he was going two blocks instead of a block and a half or something. But uh, he always wanted to be on radio and he would come on Saturdays and on uh, days off school to show up at the radio station. As he got older, I let him run the board for me one day. And the program director came and called me out in the hall. He says, who's the kid? I said, be nice. He's going to run this place someday. And he mm-hmm. became the, uh, the operations director at HAS and went on to do things in television now at Wave TV here in town. But uh, you never know. Plant huh. that seed, man. Plant that seed. What an amazing story. And I do remember the name for sure. Um, boy, Jack, you know, um, leadership is something I have been passionate about. I've been in leadership for 30 years, and I, I teach it, and I preach it. And uh, I'm passionate about it. I'm just curious along the way in all your years in broadcasting, did you find yourself in a leadership role? Did you find yourself as the guy in charge somewhere along the journey? Not so much in radio. I was part of a team at HAS. We had a great team. And even there at KOA in Denver, we, uh, we did some great things as a team. Uh, and I, I felt that was important. Everybody had a part to contribute at HAS. We had a strong sales force, a strong promotion department, uh, good leadership there, and the guys on the air were very important. We were a good team. Uh, I have developed some leadership in, in my church. I've been a deacon at St. Matthew's for over 40 years and uh, wow. uh, been chairman of that group for several times. Uh, been involved in some business ventures where we had to develop some, uh, some teams. And uh, again, felt just listening to people, finding out what they wanted, uh, find a purpose. You have to have a purpose and then you have a plan. And if you, those two can go together, why, uh, you know, you can make things happen. Mm-hmm. Everything has got to be, I think, powered by a purpose. I used to use a phrase, uh, believe, begin, become. But then I turned it around a little bit. I thought, just begin. You may not even believe it when you start. <laughs> if you begin and then that belief builds, and then you become whatever you want to be, really. I, I, I believe that. I think if you uh, mm-hmm. want something bad enough and you may not actually believe you can do it, but start, take a step, and then another step, and another step, you'll become whatever area you want to grow in. You know, that's the thing about leadership. Uh, is That's worked out for me. Yeah, and that's the thing about leadership. You know, you don't have to have the title or the name badge that says you're the boss to be a leader. Yep. And, 
And well, I think moving forward too, I, I I had a program director one time in Kansas City told me, Jack, the best ad lib is a well-rehearsed ad lib. <laughs> and boy, I've collected a lot of sayings over the years and they come in handy. And uh, <laughs> one of them was when a door closes, another door opens. But so often we look long and regretfully at the closed door that we didn't see the one that opened. So you have to sometimes move ahead instead of looking back and uh, not be afraid of that. That's tough sometimes because it's very comfortable to sit where you are and not take another step. You're doing that with these podcasts, you know. That's a whole new area for you. And uh, you'll grow from that. But you'll take your skills that you already have and have developed. And I think that's important to keep moving ahead and keep... uh, Keep growing. And another friend who I was talking here a while back about uh, that same thing, uh, just staying ready and staying positive and moving ahead. His mother was 89 years old and one of those people who was very excited about life, positive, not in a Pollyanna way, just excited about life and ready to try new things. She was on a computer and doing newsletters at 89 years old. And her friend was exactly opposite. Everything was always wrong. You know, she could find a a problem for every solution, one of those kind of people, you know. And the negative said to the positive one day, Mabel, how can you be 89 and so excited about life? It's that simple, my dear. I talk to God every day and you once a week. <laughs> <laughs> and I oh, think that as a leader, you have to keep yourself, your tank filled up, you know. You have to, I read all the time. I look for new opportunities to do things. Uh, technology at first uh, didn't scare me, but baffled me. I still have my, my granddaughter has to figure out my iPhone sometimes, <laughs> but at least I'm moving ahead and trying to make some things happen. I think that's important as a leader. Yeah. You, you can uh, not be afraid to move ahead. It's so true. And I'm, I'm thinking a story of a story I want to tell, but I've got to shorten it, you know, for the <laughs> audience's sake. But, you know, we have younger leaders that are growing in corporate America here. And I find my passion in a lot of those guys. I've helped a lot of those guys over the years on my teams and, you know, I talked about John Maxwell earlier, and I'm going to mention him again. I used to read a lot of his books, not as much the anymore, but early on in his writing, he really was on fire. And, you know, I don't know if you know about John's story. Oh, yeah. he, he used to be a pastor. and Yeah. So, you have, so 21 Laws of Leadership is probably my favorite one that he ever wrote. But inside that book, there is a story. You, you kind of got my memory going a little bit about a little church where he was the pastor in Indiana. And at the little church, um, he was really fired up because he was the pastor. He was the leader. And they, conti- they had board meetings. And he had a deacon in the church. You mentioned being a deacon who had been there for 40 years, okay? And the windows in the church were rotting out, and they had to have this meeting about what they were going to do to pay for replacing the windows. Well, John quickly noticed that everyone continued to stare at the little old man at the end of the table for answers about the windows. And he grew upset and frustrated because he was the leader. I'm the pastor. Why aren't you looking at me? I'm a 21-year-old know-it-all, right? Well, um, pretty soon what he realized was Anybody in the room can be the leader. Look around. The people will tell you with their eyes who's in charge. Your name tag doesn't tell anybody anything. Very interesting, yeah. You know, and so when I ask you if you've been in leadership, you likely have been many, many times the leader in the room that people are looking to for guidance and advice. And I think it's a good message for for young leaders to remember. Just because you're christened with a title or the name badge, it doesn't make you the leader, right? 
can't let your ego get in the way. Of course, I get religious here, but I think of Jesus as a leader who led with a towel. You know, he didn't uh, he didn't demand; he served, oh. and uh, that that will gain you that will gain you a following, I believe. And yet, isn't that something? That's what we talk about. And he was the greatest lead, leader that ever was. And yep. uh, to think that he was a servant leader, and he he was, you know, he was God, right? Um, pretty amazing stuff. Well, let me ask you this question. Did you ever in your journey have, I know I have experienced a really bad leader, someone that struggled and that frustrated you and your team? Yes. Yes. Uh How did you handle that? Um, well, first of all, I found if they probably won't last very long, you know, just be patient for one thing. Uh, the results are what counts. And in the end, a person like that cannot sustain. I was in a situation like that with a fellow who had a big ego, uh, demanded a lot of things, but after a while it fell apart. And I've just learned that. Uh, I said one time, walk through the valley, don't camp there, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, that was the situation with him. Uh, he was very demanding and uh, very uh, manipulative and became very frustrated with him. And uh, another fellow and I did confront him about it and, but we sat down and said, we need to talk to you. And uh, he was very defensive. But then as oh. we talked more and more and more, he respected us enough to uh, say, okay. He actually said I was wrong. And uh, it, it took a confrontation from him. Uh, he, but wow. he, still his, his leadership uh, did fade away. He lost uh, a team that he had, and, but uh, it was frustrating. So ego was his problem. Oh yeah. And had so to it's... win at everything, had to win at everything. And uh, to the to the effect of putting you down, anybody who was a threat to that uh, would, would be a put down, you know, yeah. verbally. So it's true what they say, pride cometh before the fall, huh? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, and he wasn't a bad person at all. I learned a lot from him, I learned a lot from him, but uh, uh, had a lot of good qualities, but that particular one was, was a downfall for him. Yeah, absolutely. So I can remember in the 80s at WHAS, at, I didn't have to be in your meetings or look at your ratings or anything else to understand. You guys were rolling. I mean, um, yeah. and to your point, you had a strong sales team. You had a strong, uh, you had strong on-air talent that was consistent. You had little turnover. I can remember. Yeah. Um, you were you were the source in Louisville for news, weather, sports. I, I, I say now, I say we were the social media of the day. If anything happened, there was Amen. no social media. As you said, you turn to see the sc- scores. Uh, if school was open or closed, the latest news. If something happened, the station was there. We were there. We were part of it in some way. And so I think looking back on it as someone who tries to study this stuff, you had to have a strong culture within that building. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, generally starts with a strong leader. Yes, um, and, uh, I'm wondering. Hugh Barr. Did you ever meet Hugh Barr? No, and I'd love Hugh, to hear a little bit about w- his... WHS was a 50,000-watt station, but they called it the Sleeping Giant. Uh, it was kind of a, a stepsister to the television station and the family that owned the radio and television station, also owned the newspaper. And uh, they were all good, but it was kind of a sleeping giant. And uh, Hugh Barr was hired to come in and change that. And he just went about his business quietly, hired a fellow named Wayne Perky, who did mornings for 40 years there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Wayne was very tuned in at the community and began to put a new staff together, put a sports team together like Van Vance and people like that, as you mentioned, and uh, just create an atmosphere 
where people wanted to be a part of the team and gave people opportunities to grow, gave them the tools to work with, uh, but kind of sat back and guided it all, made sure it all happened, but he didn't get in the way of it and never really took the credit for it. I did a, a series of uh, 27, I'll send you a link to this, 27, or maybe I did, uh, 27 interviews on the history of WHAS from Milton Met to Terry Myers. They're all about an hour long. They're in the uh, University of Louisville Ekstrom Library now. And, uh, but his name kept coming up. Hugh Barr did this and Hugh Barr did that. But if you ask him about it, oh no, it was all you guys. You put it all together and uh, it was great. Well, you had an amazing staff. And again, with very little turnover, uh, you know, I, I can remember a guy named Doug McKelvin. Um, he left, I remember, but very few of you ever left. And, and uh, I can name your entire air staff right now uh, and, and your shifts. And you the one who did, well, not even, uh, Doug went to uh, KMOX in St. Louis, which was a big 50. A fellow named Bill Cody was there for a while. Was Bill there when you were there? Yes. He was there for a short while. He's been at WSM in Nashville, their country music voice for. 35 or 40 years. Forever. Amazing. Uh, quick story. I don't, this doesn't do the audience much justice because they don't know who the heck we're talking about, but right. they, you yeah. know, be, I would, I'll tell you this, Jack, cause you don't know this about me and it's probably, I don't know what it says about me, but I, I'd be up in the middle of the night listening to that radio under my pillow, listening to a guy named jo- Joe Donovan. Oh yeah. yeah. And listening to oldies. Yeah. Right. You know, and and another story about the station was they were big. WHAS at that time was big on promotions and and giveaways, and they were very generous about it, you know. And I won. You don't know this, Jack, but I won a lot on WHAS. (laughs) Did you use a pseudonym every time or use your real name? I may have had an alias or two, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I may may have been Joe Hart occasionally. (laughs) but here's here's a story for you so um you know i went to catholic school there in town and um while i'm not catholic anymore i I, you know i go to a non-denominational christian church today but uh have a lot of great memories and love the people you know within the catholic churches and schools there in louisville and uh anyway i'm in class one day and you guys were running a promotion i think during your shift as well, called Basketball Bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, my name got pulled. It was $1,000, and you had to call within 8 minutes and 40 seconds. Well, I was in class. I was a kid. <laughs> and the, one of the lunch ladies was hightailing it, running, trying to get to my classroom to pull me out of class to go call WHAS to win this $1,000. <laughs> That's wild. I did not know that. No. And I still remember her to this day, and, her, and uh, we we missed. I didn't win. I didn't make it in eight oh. minutes. Oh gosh! <laughs> Why do I tell these stories? Really? Well, they're fun to tell because it's important to me. But it's about passion. I was yeah. passionate about radio, and I think leaders, whatever business they're in, they've got to be passionate about what they're doing to ultimately be successful in the long run. And, uh, I wonder how you feel about that. You did radio for all your life and that means you must've been passionate about it, right? Uh, A passion is what drives everything. Otherwise you're going through the motions, I think, you know, and as I said, you have a passion, then you have a plan, uh, a passion without a plan can burn out pretty quickly, but, uh, it, it all has to be fueled by a purpose or a passion. No question about that. Yep. Yeah. 
Well, what could we tell people, Jack? You know, you've lived a long time and did pretty well for yourself with your passion. What advice do you give a young person today that's not just in leadership, but that's chasing a dream? And what's your advice for them? Uh, again, one of my little cliches, do the best with, do the best you can with whatever you've got, wherever you are. If you'll do that, do the best you can with whatever you've got, wherever you are. Then you can take another step. Then you can take another step and you'll find that passion may grow or it may die out because that's the wrong area, but you'll find out. But mm -hmm. uh, do something, take a step. I, I'm, I'm going to get religious on you again here, but I heard a version of the five loaves and two fishes. Mm -hmm. uh, a fellow said a little boy just took what he had, put his lunch together, gave it to Jesus, and got out of the way. <laughs> I boy, think oh boy. I'm going to steal that one, I think. That's yeah. good stuff. Well, I stole it, so. <laughs> the best stuff is all stolen, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I think it was John Maxwell even said, you know, uh, nothing's original. <laughs> you just take it and build on it, you know. You don't have to stay there. You can take something and build on it. I've stolen a lot of his stuff, but I try to give him props wherever I can. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. curious, though. I bet you there was somebody who influenced you or somebody who, uh, you know, coached you and mentored you early on in your career, probably. Any thoughts on that? A couple of three. Uh, you may know this. You know, I'm a Harvard graduate. You know that. Mm -hmm. I graduated from Harvard at 17 and wow. actually started radio that year. But it was Harvard, Illinois High School. So, <laughs> And I started a little radio station there, a lady named Esther Blodgett. That was her dream, to have a radio station. She went from nowhere and, and somehow got some land and built a building and put up an antenna and started a radio station. And wow. uh, I was going out there and just, I for some reason, was interested and would start showing up. I showed up on a Thanksgiving <clears throat> and just spent the day with her. her. She had one employee. She lived in the house where the st station was. And she had given him the day off. And uh, so I just began to talk with her, came back and came back and would empty the trash and clean the AP wires. And she said, if you're going to hang around here, I'm going to give you a job. And that's how I started working while I was in radio and in high school. But she told me one time, Jack, if you're reading a story or talking, you're in the studio all by yourself. You can't even look out sometimes. Get a picture in your mind of what you're talking about. And that will influence your inflection, your tone, your passion and everything else. So that, that was one thing that guided me. I went on to work in radio there and went down to Evansville, Indiana to go to college and worked at a radio station there. And I had a good voice and I thought I was pretty good. But I worked at this station and <clears throat> they uh, had a morning man who was an ancient. He was probably 45 or 46 years old. You know, I'm a 20 year old kid. And um, Charlie Blake was his name, and Charlie was, he was very popular with everybody. I didn't think he had a great voice or anything like that. He was always talking about uh, the Kiwanis Club he was at yesterday or his kids growing up at the PTA meeting. And I said something one time. I don't think I said it directly to Mr. Engelbrecht, John Engelbrecht, who owned this station. I said, you know, uh, possibly I should be doing mornings or something like that. He looked at me and said, you sound good. He's worth listening to. And boy, that really, that really caught my attention. So I learned to get involved in the community, uh, talk about the people you met, meet guys like Joe Linhart and give them an encouragement and uh, just show up at places. And that was, that was a, that was a big, big advice to me. And then I had a program director in Kansas City who told me, Jack, the best ad lib is a well-rehearsed ad lib. That just to be prepared when I went on the air. I always had something to talk about. I may not talk about those things, 
But if nothing else came up, I had something to fall back on. Or sometimes what I wanted to say just came at the right time. So those people were, were great influences on me. And then Hugh Barr, as I mentioned there at, uh, at HAS, was, was very good. Wow. Strong came, mentors. You mentioned Joe Donovan a while ago. Joe came to HAS from KOA also. He was there. Oh. At, uh, yeah. Joe and I worked together at KOA. And uh, he had heard he loved Kentucky for some reason. He watched a movie with Pat Boone called April Love or something. And uh, it was filmed in Kentucky. And he always wanted to come here. And he came and fell in love with it and uh, said, can you put in a good word for me at HAS? And I said, yeah. And we were actually neighbors at one point. Wow. Small world. Yeah. And I bet he didn't know he had 12-year-olds listening to him at 2.30 in the morning. I didn't know. But he would have taken the time. Joe was great with that. He was... He would have taken the time and listened to you and uh, helped in any way he could, except for the $1,000. He probably couldn't have got that to you. But uh. <laughs> I don't know that I ever won in the middle of the night, Jack. But, um, you know, we talk here a lot about, I use this term rippling all the time. And, and again, it comes out of the church, you know, and, 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 and it really is about one person impact, impacting another person. And it, so, it, so it goes. And, and so another story about you where you told me something 25 years ago over the phone and you may not remember saying this, but we were talking about the fact that I was working as a board op and I was frustrated because I wasn't getting on air opportunities and those are really hard to come by. And I was a dad and a husband and it's hard to make a living in radio as a board op, you know, yep. and, and, uh, I said, Jack, I just don't have the big voice like you've got. And, you know, and you were wise enough even 25 years ago to say, Joe, that's a sort of a dying breed. You don't have to have the big voice anymore. Right, what yeah. you need to do is just think about Tony Cruz. Like you used him as an example. He said, just tell the story. Just tell the story. And so fast forward uh, all the way up to about last year, a young lady I know who's trying to break into radio out of nowhere, no experience, um, asked me for advice. <laughs> and she didn't believe she had the big voice and this and that. And I told her the same thing. I said, Bree, just tell the story. You be you, be passionate about it, have energy, but you just tell the story and you'll be just fine. Exactly. You know? Yeah, good advice, good advice. But rippling, you know, it's the same thing, you know, yeah. from one mentor to another, you know, we ripple. It's interesting how life works, huh, generation after generation? No question, no question. Mm -hmm. uh, another one of my sayings, I think uh, Kathy Tricoli sang it, Chris Rice may have written it, but it was, uh, carry your candle, run to the darkness, go light your world. And that's really what you're talking about with, uh, with leadership. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think with all your folks down there, the, the team that you worked with for 20 years, I think you were HAS for about 20, right? Yep. Um, you know, what do you think specifically the leader there did to create such an amazing culture? You know, I believe culture grows from the inside out. It, it grows organically from the people in my mind. It doesn't get pushed down from the top, right? Yeah. So, uh -huh. What do you think he did to feed that culture that, that kept well, you guys so happy? He, he decided what he wanted the station to be, then he put the ingredients together, and he mixed them. Uh, we, we were never, we, we had a lot of events together. We had dinners together. We went out to do a lot of things together. And so uh, if sales had a problem, they would ask us about it. Or if we had a problem, we'd, we'd sit down and talk to them about it. 
Uh, so the team talked a lot and we shared ideas and shared enthusiasm and you know it wasn't always perfect. Uh, we had some uh, upset people from time to time but we all worked it out as a team and he sort of led all that. I don't want to say manipulated but he made all that happen. He allowed it to happen. He didn't have separate camps and uh, he, he built a team. Yeah. Well, one thing I know, when I walked through the newsroom there with you, I noticed Mr. Perky's desk was a big mess. <laughs> and, and, and I think he had a sign on his desk that said, a messy desk is the sign of a clear mind. <laughs> well, it's a good thing we don't have a camera here today because you would see my desk is a little messy, Joe. <laughs> well, I know where everything is. My wife doesn't believe it, but I know exactly where everything is, and I can find it if you give me enough time. <laughs> And so that's where you get this clear mind, huh? That's right, yeah. <laughs> I like but, to think anyway. She may not agree, but I think so. Oh, my goodness. And quickly, as we start to come down the stretch here a little bit, and by the way, folks, you're listening to the Leadership Fan Podcast, and we appreciate your support today. Uh, continue to like and share and tell your friends about our podcast. We're on a mission um, to influence and encourage leaders and there's more content coming, so continue to listen in. You know, Jack, I was talking to Mr. Dave Shore about this. I know you listened to that episode the other day, and we were talking about leaders across the world today. I don't care if you work in ministry or if you work in business or the media. It, in my view, uh, the world's a little sideways, a lot sideways right now, and I think you can point at leadership for that. And, at most stops in the road. And I just wonder if you see it that way, if we have a leadership problem, um, or maybe you see it differently. I agree with you. I agree. Um, everybody wants to accommodate everybody else, I think, uh, or afraid to take a stand on something or a stand for right. And of course, everybody's got their own version of right. I understand that. But at the same time, we have to have the ability to compromise I don't mean that in a bad way, but to listen to somebody else and at least say there's a possibility that we can build on what you're saying and what I'm saying and build something good out of it. We've, we've become very divided in our country today uh, and uh, we have to get past that. And it's only gonna, only gonna take, it's only gonna happen if people will listen to each other and be willing to say, maybe you have something right and I have something right, let's put them together. Uh, yeah. It can't be about. It can't just be about power. It's all about power right now. Whoever's got the, you know, the old golden rule. Who's got the gold makes the rules. You know, uh, we got to get past that. Mm -hmm. Got to be the real golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Thank you. Yeah, I think it gets back to us serving people. You know, I've got an episode uh, coming out next week, I believe, from an, a friend of mine in Kentucky again, and he said, "Look, here's the bottom line: if if you don't want to serve." If you don't like people, if, if you don't want to serve people, then get out of leadership because yeah. you're in the wrong line of work. And I think he's right. right. Yeah, that's right. It's not always a race to, race to be right. I mean, right what you think is right. It's a race to do the right thing. Of course, we'll always have discussions about what that is, but that we have to listen anyway to consider the other person's possibilities. Yeah. You know, I asked um, the last several podcasts, um, guest who their favorite all-time leader was maybe in politics and i'll go ahead and tell you that uh, you know the last three have all said ronald reagan well 
they all three prefaced it with, I don't care what your politics are, right? It just seems like this particular leader had this ability to bring people together and not just make it about the polls or, you know. And, and isn't that the problem now? We, we say, well, we're going to serve people as long as they agree with me. Yeah. Well, I think we've got to be able to serve all people. Um, no question. Yeah. You know, no. And, and it's in churches, you know, leadership is important as well. Churches are, in many cases, bigger than ever now. And I, I had a pastor in Lexington one time tell me, he said, you know what? I've seen churches break up over where you hang the coats, you know. That's <laughs> <laughs> the truth, yeah. yeah. And so, our, our minister here just left. We have a new pastor we're very excited about. But uh, the former pastor, when he came in, said, my philosophy is get good people around the table and talk it out and you'll get things done. And uh, he didn't. I mean, he was saying, "I don't have to run everything here. I've got good people who have more expertise in some areas than I do. I know where I'm strong, and I know where they're strong. Let's get around the table, talk it out, and we'll get the problem solved." Mm, nothing like a good empowering leader um, yeah. that can trust his people. Said, what a concept, huh? Started a school ministry uh, from our church uh, at Saint. Ma our, we're Saint Matthew's Baptist Church. We go into a Saint Matthew's Elementary School just to serve. He said. He called him up and said, uh, how can we help? No strings attached. We're not here to preach. How can we help? And he knew he could take it so far, but we have a, a gentleman in our congregation who was a retired school administrator, turned it over to him. And uh, the other fellow got all the glory, and which is rightfully so. And he, he assembled a team. But the pastor was the guy who put all that together and got out of the way. Isn't that fantastic? Oh, and I've seen it go the other way in churches. You know, oh, yeah. I, I've been in church leadership myself here in Colorado as well. And and uh, yeah, I've, I've seen it the other way and it's never fun. Let's talk about the other way with media right now as we start to close up. I, I'm curious what you think. You know, I, I asked Dave Shore that the other day. Uh, he's a e former ESPN executive and. Obviously, you have more experience than all of us. I wonder when you look at the media today, to me, it all starts with leadership, you know, um, but I just wonder what your perspective is on media in general today. Where have we gone wrong, Jack? And I ask you that because I'm a guy who's loved it my whole life, and, and now I don't know that I love it like I did. I don't know if we've gone wrong. It's changed, for one thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I never want to be one of those guys that sit around, well, they don't. Do it like we did it, you know. Nah, I got when we came into WHAS, uh, we got a lot of accolades, but we replaced some guys who were legends and did good things there for a long time, you know. So it was just, but it was a different era, and they could not continue to do the things that they did. Uh, it's hard for me to say, but uh, you know, things change. Technology changes. Uh, I mentioned Esther Blodgett, who started the radio station that I worked at when I was in high school. Um, I went back about 15 years later. And she had sold the station. I never thought that would happen. That was her life. And uh, I went, she, the people had bought it, moved to a, a downtown location in this little town up on the second floor. And I'm talking and I said, I never thought Esther would sell this station. They said, we're not sure she did. Look down there. Esther was come every day and sit in her car across the street. When they do something she didn't like, she'd roll down her window and yell, you're ruining my radio station. <laughs> <laughs> So I never wanted to be like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, the old guys sitting around say, well, they don't do it like we used to. And that's true. Uh, and I'm not sure where it's going, 
there are just so many different avenues right now. You know, an AM radio, you, you, we talked before, uh, that, was my, that was my camping ground, you know. But now they're talking about not even putting AM radios in, uh, in cars. Uh, when I left HAS, um, they wanted to do more talk, and that was the thing to do at that time. Rush Limbaugh had come in, and that was the thing to do. I just did, I like to talk, but I didn't want to do the kind of talk they were talking about. So we agreed to mutually park ways. And uh, I don't have any, uh, I have regrets about it because we enjoyed what we were doing, but they did what they needed to do. I talked to Skip Essick, the program director who made that decision. Hmm. And he said, you know, looking back, I, I made the right decision for, for what we were doing at the time. I'm not sure it was the right decision for radio, he said. Uh, but uh, hmm. he made the decision for where he was at that time. He was, his job was to get an audience, and that was that was where it was at that time. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah. Uh, I wind up listening a lot. I listen to Terry and Tony. I listen, listen to them, but I do it for because they're my friends, and I enjoy their, uh, I get a lot of information, their news and weather and traffic and all that. But I also listen to my daughter, who's on the public media station here. I listen to the classical station a lot because she's, I hear her voice every 10 minutes. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah Jill, is, uh, I, uh, here's how things change, Joe. I did a lot of voiceover work, as you know, narrating videos and doing company projects and things like that. And then Jill picked up that mantle, and I, I had a period where I wasn't doing a whole lot. And I went in to do something one time at a studio on Jack Fox, and I talked. They said, oh, you're Joe Fox's dad. And so I live with that mantle now, and I'm pleased about that. That's not a problem. That is fantastic. Well, you know, I've had to make that hard transition to Grandpa this year. Yeah, right. That's a great one, isn't it? Yeah, that's different. That's <laughs> a lot different. It is. It is. But, you know, on the media topic, Dave put it well the other day when he said when we had to make the transition from newsmen, just reading the news, to commentators across the board it re really just clouded the whole industry for us and it made it challenging in addition to that when we had to go to 24 hours a day programming yep. really challenging that way but i would think for you to be replaced by a rush limbaugh is probably not anything to feel too bad about <laughs> uh, you know joe when when cable television when cable first came out i told the guys then i said boy that is going to be a monster to feed 24 7 You've got to make it lively. And then, of course, now, you know, so many channels everywhere, there's anything you want. And something, many things you don't want, but it's got to fill that, fill that void. Yeah, boy, the career Rush ended up putting up. How about his yeah. success? Amazing. And I, I know I still think he about... Was a he was a broadcaster. He knew what he was doing. A natural radio man. And, yeah. Uh, but I still think about his style and the things that he does. Even as I put this this little program together, I try to think about things. I listened to him constantly, you know, at one point in my life. And I used to run him on the board as well. And, yeah, right. You know, and so, you know, you, you learn from people that are that passionate, whether you agree with everything to say or not. That's no yeah, matter. Right. You know, but I will say that the, the media frustrates me today that we're so fragmented there, too. And, yep. you know, it's such a great medium. I think what frustrated me, if I'm being honest about radio, is we've all said it. You've, this isn't novel, but, you know, it used to be so local and you felt like you knew him. And, and Jack Fox was your neighbor. And, you know, and yep. and the reality is now is that, you know, Jack Fox might be on eight, eight markets or something. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. and. Well, I know that uh, 
our local traffic reports here are, I think, done out of Toledo or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just not, it's not organic like it used to be. You couldn't pick up the phone and just call a guy and, you know, and I've got more stories than the audience wants to hear right now about my time in radio where we continued to try to keep it local. And with every passing month, it felt like we lost a little grip on that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, it's the corporate dollar rules. Yeah, no question and, about that. No question. Yeah, you know, and so, but with that said, Jack, what a great opportunity today! I'm so blessed that you took the time. Thank you so much. Thank you for thinking of me, including um, me. And good luck in your in your venture here. I'd uh, rather not not go another twenty years without talking to you, though. You know, <laughs> we'll work on that. I'll get to Colorado here one of these days. We're we're on a quest to get all the major league ballparks. We've still got to get Denver in there, so we'll we'll work that out. You um, you made a difference in this kid just by just being you. It sounds like and. Um, I'm always grateful um, for well, thank that. You. Thank you. Blessings to you, young man. Yeah, thank you. Well, let's let's close this thing out. That's it for today, folks. I want to ask you to continue to listen and, su and support what we're trying to do at the Leadership Fan Podcast as we grow and evolve week to week. We're going to always be making changes to format and style and adding some new things, some different guests. We've got some folks coming up from really around the world and all different industries. So continue to check back with us. We're really excited that you're here. Things are going really well early on and I'll look forward to talking to you again on the next episode of the Leadership Fan Podcast. Until next time, go make some big ripples out there in your companies and with your people. God bless.